Good to see this number out tonight. Appreciate you coming. We're in uh, 1 Corinthians 13. I'm going to check your memories here just a little bit. Patience. That, that leads the parade, right? Patience. That's the first, first things he mentioned. Well, what, what does that word mean in the original? Slow to boil. We all have visions and uh, of what that means as far as you know, bringing water to a boil. So it says, be slow to boil. Don't, don't get all Twitter-painted over every little thing, but uh, be slow to boil. What about kindness? Yeah. I mean, we know what kindness means, but what, does, what are some of the inflections of that word in the original? Useful. Serviceable. What's the root word of serviceable? Service. What what else did you say? Tasty. Wow, that's one of my favorites. And I think it might have been Stacy or somebody that said it it leaves a good taste in your mouth. Yeah, adapted to its purpose. When, when you're kind, yeah, it leaves a good taste in your mouth. So all those were all those uh, inflections of that word are it, it, they're there in the original. Now we get got a nod in front of these, but envy. What, what does that mean in there? We just talked about that last week. Inflamed or to be red-faced. We, we've seen that. Uh, we might say green with envy. I'm not sure where that came from, but red with envy to be inflamed. Yeah, so that's a knot. Now the one that uh, we, we finished up on, uh, or we're talking about, is not proud or not arrogant. Uh, some versions say not puffed up. What, uh, when you see, some, have you ever heard you use that term before? Well, boy, he or she, boy, they seem really puffed up. What does that mean? Huh? Hey, be careful on the big head thing now. Not literally. Thank you for clarifying. I'm slow to boil. Kind of full of themselves. Kind of, we've heard that term. You know, kind of full of themselves. Uh, arrogant. Um, um, in the uh, uh, one of the, I guess, inflections for the last, for lack of a better word. A windbag or a braggart. Uh, we know what those mean. He said, don't, don't do that. He said, don't be a windbag. Don't be arrogant. Don't be proud. Don't be puffed up. Because if you have agape love, you can't have these things. Remember the words we looked at early on? If you have agape love, you can't do those things. Now we're talking about proud, puffed up. Somebody, well, let's just all turn to Luke 18. Luke chapter 18. Start in verse 9. And we're on page, let me give you that map. We're on page uh, 14. Page 14. Luke 18, 9 through 14. Luke 18, 
9 through 14. Uh, a volunteer to read that, please. Uh, Lisa. And he spake this parable unto certain which trusted in themselves that they were righteous and despised others. Two men went up into the temple to pray, the one a Pharisee and the other a publican. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. I fast twice in the week, I give tithes of all that I possess, and a publican standing afar off would not lift his eyes so much as his eyes unto heaven. Sorry. Would not lift up so much as his eyes unto heaven, but smote upon his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For every one that exalteth himself shall be abased. And he that humbleth himself shall be exalted. That's about as clear as... That's the antithesis of being proud. And we see that with the Pharisee. And he says, uh, Lord, basically saying, you're lucky you've got me. You're lucky you've got me. I'm pretty cool. What did he say? The other guy, and not only that, he says, and, and I'm, I'm not like this one right here. Like you're informing the Lord, telling him something. Uh, he knows. Yeah, uh, compared to him or her, boy, I do all these things. He says, you better be careful of that. And then what about the publican, the tax collector, hated people. They were hated in society. What did he do? What? He, he didn't even look up, did he? He didn't even look up. Have you, ever, have you ever had a prayer, your own private prayer, where, you know, maybe something's not going well and you, and you don't even have the courage to look up, to ask for forgiveness? I've been there. Uh, that's, that's what the Lord's looking for. And he said, he went away forgiven. Well, what about the guy who said, you're lucky to have me with all these great things that I do? And he did do some, some really good things. He, was he forgiven? Doesn't appear that he was. But it said he will be humble. For he, anyone who exalts himself will be humble. Uh, life has a way of humbling you, doesn't it? <laughs> Eventually, it will. And some of us that are slow learners, it, it can come back for seconds and humble you again. And humble you again and again. If you don't quite get the message, if you don't quite get the message, it has a way of doing that. So um, that's this guy who says, this, this sinner, this tax collector says, oh, by the way, who are, who are the sinners again? That's all of us. What does 1 John say? If we say that we do not sin, we, we, we are liars and we don't have the truth. But what if, what if we walk in the light as He is in the light? What does His blood continuously do? We're going to continually sin. We try to keep that you know, suppressed as much as we can, but it's going to happen. 
And he said, if you continually, it's a way of life. If your way of life is to do right, His blood will continually forgive you of your sins. Uh, it's not a one-time deal, is it? It's a continuous thing. That's what the word means in 1 John 1. Um, <clears throat> so, the Pharisees. Uh, now let's turn to, while we're there, we're close. Luke 12, I don't have this in your notes, you can write these down if you like. Luke 12, starting in verse 4, and go through verse 7. Luke 12, verses 4 through 7. I have it right here. Okay, go ahead. And I say to you, my friends, do not be afraid of those who kill the body. And after that, have no more that they can do. But I will follow you whom you should fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has power to cast into hell. Yes, I say to you, fear him. Are, are not five sparrows sold for two copper coins? And not one of them is forgotten before God. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Do not fear, therefore, you are more value than many, many sparrows. And even if we went up into two or three verses before that, it talks about the leaven of the Pharisees, the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, uh, the proud nature of the Pharisees. And then, have you ever, did anybody ever uh, go to a high school or school where you were called the fighting sparrows? <laughs> I didn't think so. What about the, what about the, War eagles, the hawks, the fighting eagles. That, that's what we think about, right? The Lord says, I even know all the sparrows, by the way. Uh, aren't five sparrows sold for just a, a penny or whatever it would be in today? He says, I know when a sparrow falls. And he says, I know all the hairs on your head. You know, we've all heard the jokes about that. Um, we can rest assured with confidence that when we humble ourselves, we're not a braggart, we're not boastful, that Lord, the Lord knows all that. We don't have to toot our own horn. We don't have to say, because when we toot our own horn, what did, the, what did Jesus say about That's that? Reward. Hope you enjoy it. That's all you got. That's all you have. We don't have to, you know, to brag about it, the Lord says, look, if I, know, if I understand sparrows, I understand you. And if I know the hairs on your head, trust me. It's estimated that about 21 to 22 billion people have lived on the earth, of which about almost half live today, maybe a third. I think 7 billion or something like that. <clears throat> Can you imagine, do the math on that, all you math majors? Uh, 22 billion Times, what's the estimate? 100,000 hairs maybe on your head, probably, <laughs> on a normal head. 22 billion times 100,000. Lord says, I know that too, by the way. So don't worry about the credit. Who's going to get the credit? He said, don't do that. I'm not looking for that. I'm looking for humility and just do what you need to do. And he says, You'll get your reward. Don't worry about that on the last day. Stacy. That comes into question your motivation. 
well, why are you, you doing it in the first place? To do the right thing, or to be kind, or to have everyone know that you're doing the right thing? Really good point. It's the motivation, and uh, that's a big part of it. What's motivating you to do that? Uh, what should be our motivation? Based on all these qualities, our motivation should be to please Him. Because He has all these. And that's our goal. And we, like we said the very first day, a lot of us, including me, have a long way to go on that, but we're on that path. We, we need to keep going on that path. Uh, and then Bruce, and then Mike. Um, when I... When I hear the word braggart or or what have you, I think of Job because Job had a lot of stuff that he could have bragged about. I mean, he didn't, but he could have. And look at how fast everything got taken away from him. Everything. Can that happen today? No. It can. It can leave pretty quickly. Like we said on Sunday, hard times come, but hard times don't stay. You may think they do, but they don't. The good times come, and good times, they don't stay either. That, and you know what they call that? Life. <laughs> Somebody said it, thank you. It's life. Um, if it was perfect here, where we never had any bumps in the road, and someone starts talking about heaven, what might we say? I don't need that. We talk about. It's pretty good here. It is pretty good here, isn't it? Really, when you think about it. But things happen. Things happen. Um, I woke up yesterday morning. <clears throat> no, I'm not telling anything. Um, real early for me. And I whispered to Veronica on my way out. Still dark. I said, I'm going to find out today whether 1 Corinthians 13 just a bunch of words to me or whether there's action involved. And the day played out where you know where you things worked out. But I, I left there going, all right, big boy, let's just see what you made of today. And, and it worked out okay. But I'm, I'm beginning to ask myself more of these kinds of questions. And it's, it, it, you know, if you're having a bad day, and I don't know if I'm up to this today, the Lord knows that. He knows sparrows. He knows your hair. Why not just tell him that? Lord, I really don't want to do this today. I really don't. But you do it anyway. Why? Because it's the right thing to do. He understands that. You can't hide from him. Sometimes our attitudes aren't always the best, but we just do it anyway. Right? Anybody ever done that besides me? Sure. Sometimes you just have to get up, lace them up, and get after it. But I don't feel like it. Well, you get over it. Stop and get your Diet Coke. Life's going to be okay. <laughs> Coffee really? drinkers. <laughs> Do you have Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 8? Read it. Mike, please. Uh, it says the end of a thing is better than its beginning. That's the yep. first half. Yep. The second half says... The patient spirit is better than the proud spirit. So we go all the way back up to the top from Solomon. He says patience is much better than being proud. Well, it, it is. Uh, no, that's, that's a really good verse. 
I've used that before. I actually got a, a little, uh, not a long sermon, but a sermon on Ecclesiastes 7 and verse 8. It says, better is the end of a thing than the beginning thereof, old King James. Yep. How does that apply to with our lives? But better is the end of a thing than its beginning. What did Job say about his beginning? When all this stuff hit him, what was he saying? I, I just wish I'd never been born. Now he was thinking that, and he was talking with God. Did God ever really just smack him down for saying those kinds of things? He really didn't. He really didn't. The very end, he just lets him have it. Well, he, but, but he, no, he, no, you're right. Thirty-eight through forty-two, I believe, or forty-one. No, you're exactly right. He did, but even then, he just said. Um, stand up, straighten up like a man, and I got a few things to ask you. Now, if you can answer these, then I'm, I'm going to answer your question. And he started. Whoa. Where were you when? And of course, Job, what did he finally just say? Nothing to say. I got nothing to say. I got nothing to say. But yet he was pleasing to God because what did he tell his three friends? Four. Three friends. Eliphaz, the team of not, you know, all that. Um, and then his wife. And, and his wife. Yeah, well, okay, there's the four. <laughs> um, what, did he, what did he tell them? He said, unless I turn on you three, you better have Job what? Pray for you. You better have Job pray for you. And sacrifice. Like my servant Job. So even though Job, Job was thinking all these things, woe is me, he did say, Job, you're okay. In fact, pray for your friends here before I turn on them. Good point, Mike, on, on, on all of that. Um, anyone else got a <clears throat> comment or question? I want to go, let's go to Philippians chapter 2. There's several verses there. And then we're going to get into some, uh, some practical applications here in a minute. But Philippians chapter 2, verse, start with verse 3, I think it is. Uh, 3 through... 3 through 8. Philippians... Two, three through eight. Who would like to read that? I will. Okay. Do nothing from selfish or empty conceit, but with humility in mind regard one another as more important than yourselves. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. If Jesus, in John 1, says created this world, who said it got, he is God, equal with God, and he left heaven to come down for, for, for people, of, people of, of all time, um, he says, that's the kind of mind you'd have to have. Now, that's a hard one, isn't it? That's kind of a hard one. But, but look in verse 3. 
let each esteem others better than himself. Is that easy for anybody in here? It's not. But let's all be fair about it. It's not easy to do that. Now, God doesn't say deny yourself, and then, you know, you don't take care of yourself. Because in the other place, He says you need to love yourself. So, so we get it. But you put others first. What if it's not convenient, though? It's not going to be easy. Yeah, here's a news flash. It's not going to be easy to do that. It's never going to be. But you know what happens? You're going to be on both ends of that spectrum at some point. There are times when you're going to be able to help. And there's going to be times when you're going to need to help. That's, going, that's a fact. You will. That's absolutely a fact. Questions, comments on that? That's the practical nature of this. Hard to do, yes. Does it get easier to do with time? Maybe, but not not necessarily. You have to work on this all, all the time. And the um, older you get, the more help you're going to need, and that is not easy at all. It's not easy. When you're used to and, being independent and doing yep, it for yep. other people, and then you find yourself on the other. And that's hard. I don't know how many people, uh, one of the, her daughters in this room tonight. And and then you've got Connie Deal, Ruth Temple, you've got, and others, many others, who when it comes their time to need some help, it bothered them, bothers them to say, I need help. Why? Because they were always ones doing the helping. But we're all going to get there. You know that? We're all going to get there. It's just a matter, is it, is it 30 or is it 60 or is it 100? It doesn't matter. But you're going to get there. And you're going to need some help. Well, it comes a lot easier if you've you've helped others. In fact, one of the what's one of the things when it talks about widows indeed? Think about this for a second. It's not you know, widows indeed. You know, taking on the church role, the woman has to be at least sixty years old. Now, notice some of the qualifications there. She's washed the saints' feet. I don't think it literally means that. Well, I mean, it could be that, but that they, she washes people's feet. But what's the implication of that? She's, She's been a servant her whole life. And if they meet these qualifications, not the least of which is she's been a servant for Christians her whole life, then he said you can take them in on the roll. But there's going to be times when that may have to happen as well. We just don't know those things. Somebody had their hand up. I'm sorry if I missed it. Chad, yeah, sorry. Uh, this is kind of convoluted, I guess. But... Uh, it's a kind of pride not to ask for help when you need it, it is. and uh, it, it can become that way. And and that's the thing that we have to learn when we need help is to is to push that down because it helps other people to show love to be able to show the need, and and we can't afford to be proud that way either. I wish you hadn't said that. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. <laughs> It's a, it's a very good point, though. Um, have you ever heard before? Well, you know, the, some of those people didn't 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 check on me. I needed this. I needed this. I needed that. And a lot of times, we didn't know. One thing we're not are, are mind readers. 
But that pride can get in the way, can it not? Well, I just didn't want to ask. I know you didn't, but maybe you should. Didn't want to bother anybody. Didn't want to bother anybody. Of course, the same people have been uh, helping people their whole life, but they don't want to bother yeah, anybody. <laughs> well, actually, it does. But I, I hear I hear you talk. But that's a good point, though. Um, that could be a little bit of pride getting in the way. Sometimes you have to ask. Rebecca, the fact of the matter is that, spiritually speaking, we can do nothing for ourselves. There is no work that we can do that can save ourselves. So if you're looking to accept the grace that God is extending, you better get used to accepting the help. I like that. I like that. Yeah, what do we, uh, thank you. Uh, what, what, what's that principle called again? <laughs> the 747 principle. I like, oh, I really like that. I'm going this way now. <laughs> talking about not being proud and, and you know, all the stuff we're talking about now, and I can't word it any better than Rebecca said it, but the 747 principle says, in a nutshell, if we don't appreciate or understand the grace that's been extended to us, it's going to be hard for us to extend that grace to others. Is that fair? But once we get that, we'll never get it all. It's so deep, that subject of grace and mercy and all of that. Our minds just finally shut down. I can't understand it completely. But that's really good. 747 principle in, in the context of, of, of grace and the context of arrogance and uh, windbags and braggarts and all of that. Did that Pharisee who stood there thinking, saying, God, you're, you're, you know, you're lucky you got somebody like me and not like this guy over here, did he appreciate God's grace? He did not. Why? He don't think he needed it. He says, you know, I tithe he goes on to say, you know, I tithe, what was it, two times a week or whatever, and I do this and I do that. <clears throat> With grace, you can't do enough. He expects us to do, but you'll never do enough, ever, to, to understand or warrant His grace uh, and to be worthy of His grace, Chad. That's, I, I really like that, Rebecca. John was preaching about, about being blind and needing help, and the, and the scribe of the Pharisee says, oh, are we blind also? Yeah. He said... You are, but you say you can see. And because you say that, I can't help you. Right. Basically, they were so proud that they wouldn't even admit that they needed help and they couldn't be helped. We need You're to right. Be able to fall down. They, they couldn't be helped. With that attitude, they could never be helped. Ever. And we see that even in our society. I don't, Christianity, that's for the old people. And women. That's how they used to say it. I don't need that. What are you talking about? Well, you cannot be helped until you're brought low on your knees. And sometimes that happens. Uh, page 15, I really like this saying, <clears throat> and I give credit where credit's good. <clears throat> Max Lucado said, Jesus swapped a spotless palace for a grimy stable. He exchanged the worship of angels for the company of killers. He could hold the universe in the palm of his hand, but, but gave it up to float 
in the womb of a maiden. When you digest that, that's who we're dealing with. The, geez, the palm that held the universe in his hand also took the nail in his hand. And your place in heaven was more important to him than his place there. So he gave it up so he could have yours. There was no hope for us. We're not, we weren't going to heaven without Jesus. We're not. Um, he had to give it up. Empty himself. 100% God, 100% man on this earth. Left the right hand of God to come down here so we could live there one day. That, 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 is, that is just an awesome thought, isn't it? It really is. It really is. <clears throat> Luke 14 and verse 13. Somebody, and I think you have to start up at about verse 8 if I remember. Uh, I'm hoping to get done with this tonight. It's going to be closed before, so we can start fresh on another one on, on Sunday. Beautiful. Uh, what, what is today? A week from Sunday. Oh, that's right. <laughs> we got to get moving then. Luke 14, verse 13. Start. Uh, go back up to about verse 8. I think that's right. Let me look. Verse 8. 8 through 13. When you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor unless someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, Give your place to this person. And then you begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place, so that when your host comes, he may say to you, Friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, and he who let's, humbles let, himself will we'll, be exalted. Let's stop right there at verse 11, because that's the point. Thank you for doing this. Back when I was a junior manager, hadn't been out of college very long, maybe a year or two, and we had two company airplanes. And I got to fly on that rascal one one time as a young guy. That was pretty, pretty good. So, man, I come piling on that airplane. I sat down right there in this fine seat. <laughs> and we're talking to some of my other guy, buddies there, and, and then the big dog gets on. <laughs> The senior vice president, and he comes over to me. Mitch, you're in my seat. <laughs> Sorry, sir. So I sat back over in the corner, strapped in, and old Mitch didn't say too much the rest of the day. <clears throat> and my boss was on that plane too. He told me later, he said, I knew what you did. I saw that. I won't go. I, you needed. You needed that. <laughs> I said, "Well, thanks a lot, Larry." But uh, he said, "You're not the first one, and you won't be the last one." But he said, "On this plane, or the other plane, they're both similar. You don't sit in Roger's place." <laughs> He's a very nice man, but he will tell you to move. <laughs> you know, you just kind of go, go to the back there and sit, and you you behave yourself. Um, Mar Margie. Years ago, when I worked out at Williams Air Force Base, which is now Phoenix Gateway Airport, the Officers' Wives Club had a meeting, and they had some colonel there as the speaker. And he told them all to C 
seat themselves by their rank. So all these women, you know, they, they went from the colonel down to the second lieutenant, and he, then he told them, he said, no, none of you, that's your husband's rank. That's not your rank. <laughs> all righty. So, yeah, yeah, so he really put them in their place. Not all colonels were like that. Yeah. I had to stay. I had to stand in line according to Rick's ranking. Yeah. A couple times. <laughs> the, the company I worked for in Iowa, they were big believers on servant leadership. What he would have done, the lowest, the lowest guy would have sat closest to the front and the big dog would have sat in the back. He said, you don't work for this company with an attitude, with an ego. We are a servant mentality company. Best company I ever worked for. But I, but I know that happens, Peggy. I, I, I was only in four years, but I, I've seen it uh, on my little level. But that, but that happens. But we should have more of that servant mentality. We, we, we should. But the real world doesn't, doesn't, doesn't run that way. Uh, Bruce, we got to go. Okay. Um, I just think about um, Jesus, his friends who were about to be with him the night before he was crucified. And when he was praying there all alone, um, Sometimes having that bigger role means that you have bigger responsibility. And what did those people do when they had the chance? They ran off and they fell asleep, leaving him all alone. Yeah. Uh, you do have. The, the bigger the rank, the more responsibility you have. And the more service you should be willing to render to others. Um, the military runs by fiat. I mean, the, the tallest guy with the, with the highest rank tells everybody else what to do. And, that, and that's the way it, it has to operate that way. I get it. I get it. Um, that's tough, though, sometimes. Um, now, I'm going to give some examples here real quickly in the last two or three minutes I've got. Um, show examples of, now, and I mean by one-on-one. -on -one. I got that in, uh, in quotes here. It might have been he was talking to one person. It could have been a throng of people around him. But he took the time to, to talk to them one-on-one. -on -one. I just thought about Nicodemus. Okay, Nicodemus came to him at night. Daughter. The daughter? I call her daughter. Oh, yes. Huge crowd. And she grabbed him by the, by the hem of the garment, and he knew exactly. He said, daughter, I... I think you're, you're, you're healed. Who maybe nobody had touched him. He had not felt a human touch in years. And Jesus touched him and healed him. He could have healed him without touching. Yeah. But he knew that leper needed a human touch. What about the woman at the well? Did, did, did Jews have anything to do with uh, Samaritans? She was actually surprised. Did, yeah, did Samaritans have anything to do with Jews? No. And Jesus asked her for a drink of water. That shows his human nature too, doesn't he? He got thirsty. Was Jesus tired? He was so tired one time he went to sleep in a boat in the midst of this huge storm. Everybody's all worried. Was he worried? I created the storm, by the way, and the winds and all of that. Um, no. Um, and he was surprised, or she was surprised that Jesus would even talk to her. You just didn't do that. Uh, what about the thief on the cross? He was under a lot of stress. Do you think that's true? Psychologically, physically? 
And the thieves on both sides are, are talking. And here he is dying. He's, he's literally bleeding out. And he talks to the guy next to him. And what did he tell him? Today, you'll be with me in paradise. Even when he was dying, he said those things. Thinking about it. What about the road to Emmaus? Jesus is resurrected. He's walking along. They don't recognize Him. Remember that one? He talked with them for a long time. He said, why don't you stop in here and, and spend a little time with us? He did that too. And he, he said He expounded to him uh, them from the beginning to, to now on. So He took time. Here He is resurrected. He's got places to go people to see. He, he spent a lot of time with those two uh, disciples uh, on the road to Emmaus. What about Thomas? Does somebody have Thomas? Thomas said, unless I put my hand there, I don't, I don't believe. Jesus comes back a week later on the first day of the week. And what did He tell Thomas? Okay, Thomas, I, I hear you. I hear you talking last week. There I am. Took time with Thomas. And, and there's so many others. Uh, now, how do we see that? Now remember, 747 principle, if Jesus was willing to do that, and he, he was, and He did, and He does, what should we be willing to do? Same thing. Same thing. Well, wait, you mean i got to spend time with one person? I could talk to ten in a, in a, if I had them in a room. Well, you could. Look for one. Can you make a difference with one not necessarily ones that the world is going to see as redeemable or uh, pleasant to be with. Often it's not going to be the one. It's, it's a showstopper. <laughs> yep. I've told you the story of a <clears throat> little man about that tall, weighed about 80 pounds. His name was Brother Momo. And um, last October he, he walked. He started out on a bus as far as it would go. He walked the last 30, 40 miles to go to a Bible study. And he left the big city of Freetown. And he walked, he was about, I think about 70 or 80 miles away to his, where he was born. He had to walk there. No way he didn't have any money to get there. And he, and he teaches one-on-one -on -one over in this little, this little hut of a place. Uh, can he make a difference? He has no money. He has no stature. Uh, he's not a real dynamic guy, but he knows his Bible. And all he ever wanted was a Bible that the leaves didn't fall out when it's windy. Yeah. So we gave him one. And then Steve said last year, five years later, he looked at Brother Momo's, and it had something like Linda Smith on the cover. It, it, was, a, it was given to us. It was like a reject, you know, it had the wrong name on it or misspelled or something. So he's far from a Linda Smith or whatever it was. His brother Mohammed Momo or whatever, but he's still carrying that. And the pages were beginning to come out. So Steve gave him another, another one, and hopefully that'll last him five years. There was a lady, I'll tell you this one real quickly. There was a lady in Valparaiso, Indiana. Her name was Leona Townley. You knew her. Leona was paralyzed. 
she had a little bit, she could use a little joystick, that's all she could do. She had a flag on the back, and you'd see Leona coming, sometimes in the snow, on a motorized scooter on the way to church, and that thing just flapping in the wind. And during the rainy times, the people would go pick her up. Yeah, and she'd have a garbage bag over her head, going back to the to the little nursing home she lived in. She was a younger lady. She's dead now. Um, you can make a difference. You can make a difference. Um, she doesn't have a motorized scooter today. Remember this. What's more important to you? That the work be done? Or that you be seen doing it? Huge difference. Peg. All of this made me think of Galatians 6, I think it's 14. Boasting That's where our boast should be. Yeah. And also in that Galatians 6, it says that we're to carry one another's burden. Same chapter. We're to carry one another's burden. There's going to be times when you've got to have help carrying a burden. In the military, do you leave anybody behind if they fall down because their, their pack is too, too heavy? You better not. You pick them up. You carry their pack and need them. Because I'm going to tell you something. One day, you're going to need somebody to help you. It's coming. Awesome. How many bells are there? Okay, now we're going to start on page... Is it 16? Love is not rude. We're going to do that one.